Welcome to Wednesday Comics. To my right, AP18 himself. Alex, how you doing? You're right. Old habits die hard. Old Hello, everybody. Die hard. Uh, I can't get away from it. I mean, it's the classic. I mean, I can't start how many shows, like almost 200 shows the same way and then forget about it. So, uh, To my left. Oh, Alex said hello. Sorry, I talked over that. You want to say it again? Hello, everybody. To my left, Jeep Dub himself. Gary, how you doing? Doing good. Wednesday Comics Podcast, Season 5 here with you. New format, new uh, new sound, new look, uh, but not a new uh, cast. We're not going anywhere. Uh, here today to talk about uh, some items, uh, comics coming out this week, comics that came out the week prior, and then our book club show or book uh, continuing Sweet Tooth as Garrett had picked. Uh, today we do the second part of the second arc. Uh, what was the arc called? In captivity. In captivity. And we did see more of the those kind of uh, animals I didn't like. The uh, What was it? Chickmunk? <laughs> Rodents? The beaver kid? Yeah, the beaver. That's what it was. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, Rat, we, snake, spike. <laughs> before, oh, we, shit. before we get there, season five, we've been kind of using the beginning part, part here to talk about uh, comic books, uh, kind of outside of the world of comic books. And uh, starting last week... Uh, Loki came out. We none of us have had the chance to watch the second episode because it drops uh, today, uh, as of this recording, and so we've only seen episode one. But uh, uh, I will say to start the conversation when that was announced, that show, and I saw the trailer. For me, it was probably it probably was like What If was probably the least one I was anticipating because it's like okay, those really. When I say matter, that sounds kind of weird because it's supposed to be just entertainment, but uh the mcu you know has everything you're supposed to connect and give you information and we've been waiting for an extended time to see what the next kind of phase looks like so we're you know kind of hungry for this kind of stuff but loki was always the second least to for me at least exciting one because i was like what's that that's not going to show us anything besides this guy having a fun romp throughout time and they'll catch him and whatever but uh i proven wrong episode one a lot of good information about uh Possibly how the phases uh, the MCU is going to go work going forward, especially when the movie that comes out right after this is done is uh, Doctor Strange and the uh, Multiverse of Madness. Or, I mean, uh, that's probably where the story will continue. And we learned a lot about that in episode one. Uh, Alex, what do you think about the show? I was pleasantly surprised. So I actually did not watch the trailer uh, outside of when you, Marvin, played it on the show, but I couldn't see it, obviously. Um, I was really impressed, and I am not a big Owen Wilson fan by any means. But what? I actually, but I actually really enjoyed his character in the show, and he did a, an excellent job. And wow. the stuff with Loki was was fabulous. I, I'm super jonesing to get to the next episode of the show to find out what else is going to happen, what other BS is going to be going on, and during the like the stuff of the show to know that these time people are so powerful uh, is really enticing. They don't give any shit about those Infinity Stones. Whatever they say. Fuck it. Paperweights. I, I, I will say this, Alex, and, and me and Garrett had confirmed this, uh, but I want you to either... Did you know... Did you remember that it came out today? Or were you like, oh, it came out today. I forgot about that. 
No, I remembered earlier today when I was home before I went to work, and I was just like, you know what, I'm I'm doing other things. I'm not going to worry about playing it or yeah. watching it right now. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I probably wouldn't watch it today anyways, but I totally forgot it was uh, it came out today. I just was anticipating it coming out Friday, and then I was like, oh yeah, it comes out Wednesdays, which actually uh, Disney Plus announced that all shows going forward will premiere on Wednesdays. When of course, they don't want to duel the uh, Black Widow and all those other movies coming out. Well, that yeah, yes. makes sense. And then they were like. Loki had uh, the biggest numbers ever for a Disney Plus show or something like that. And so they go, oh, Wednesday's a good time slot. And I was like, no, I think it's more of that because, like, that show. Isn't that really? Like, it would have been, no matter what day it was on, people are going to watch it. Uh, I think for, like, that kind of television that uh, uh, is not something that comes out at a specific time, it doesn't matter what day it comes out, really. Uh, I'll watch it when I get to it. Uh, where if it was, like, on TV, then I always be like, yeah, Wednesday's a good time for it, but... Uh, Garrett, what do you think of their first episode? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I am the opposite of Alex. I'm a huge Owen Wilson fan, so uh, I was really excited for him to join the MCU. And I thought his uh, dynamic with uh, Tom Hiddleston's Loki was just fantastic uh, and really entertaining. So um, I'm excited to see more of that. Um, I thought there was the typical Marvel misdirect. I feel like, okay, obviously this isn't a spoiler, but it's going to happen sometime the intentional misdirect that Mephisto is the villain, like every fucking, I guess it's just WandaVision in this so far. I'm just like, people, it's not Mephisto. Well, I mean, okay. just because there's a devil, but like how many characters in the MCU could be considered a devil? But yeah, I, here's the thing sure. I, I want to say to everybody who's being like, oh, it's Mephisto in, in WandaVision and then in this, and like they're all excited for it. Is that that great of a character? I mean, I've never liked him really. Um, yeah. Uh, he only shows up when they need to do something that's like, oh, we're going to do something that changes what's going on. And like Spider-Man, obviously, one new day, one more day, excuse me, uh, brand new day, uh, that whole thing. Uh, Mephesto made a deal with him to bring back on May. And so like, I think people were anticipating like that big kind of change happening in the MCU. And so that's why they wanted to come on board, less than it making sense for the show. Like the whole time that show was going on, uh, I was like, I that person who we saw that was like the gonna be the bad guy and he got revealed at the end of the first episode, but the whole time I thought it was gonna be Kang because it's time. Like why would it be Mephesto? Why would he give a shit about all like like he's not if anything, he would have been in WandaVision made more sense than this. But um I will say this, I'm between you two. I do like Owen Wilson, but when I saw he was in the show and you were excited for it, Garrett, I remember thinking at the time being like uh, I, I mean, I like him, but I'm not like super pumped that he's gonna be in the show, but he was really great in the show. Um, and I keep forgetting because if you go back to some of his like Wes Anderson work, like that he's actually a good actor and not just a comedic kind of guy. He can kind of skate that line where he's funny in a show, but he also he can play, you know, the kind of serious side. And uh, Bottle Rocket is fantastic with him in it. And uh, I behind really, enemy lines, I really like them in this show. Yeah. Um, have you seen the movie Behind Enemy Lines? I have. Is that the one where he's hiding in the dead bodies? Not moving. Yeah. Yeah. I and see then that. Gene Hackman's his like commanding officer and stuff. <coughs> Fuck so. Gene. So I think for me, I've only seen Owen Wilson in his his funny things. And what, I like Marley and me. What Marley and me? Marley oh, and me was good. Fuck, I've seen that. Good. You you have no soul. You have no soul. I, you know what the weird thing is? And later in the at the show, you'll find out I do like a good cry when I like something. Um, but I don't I don't like watching 
animals die, and I don't like Whoa, having to relive what I've already done before. No. I've only watched Marley and Me once. Can't go back. Yeah, see, I only had to watch Too it once. Cried sad. my eyes out. I'm good. I can no. still say, good movie. End of it sucked. Huge sidebar. Yeah, that's what I think, too. Like, I think it's, like, a really funny movie, and it's a great movie, like, family movie. And then you get to the last, like, 30 minutes, and you're like, cool, puppies are dying now. Great. Great. Hmm. Interesting. Well, anyways, he's a good actor. Um, who else is in that movie? That's, uh... uh Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Hey, by the way, Marley and Me, uh, directed by the director who is... Uh, who was that? Who directed that movie? It's somebody who's doing the MCU stuff now. Let me look it up here. I was I used to know that off the top of my head, but, you know, Marley and Me uh, trivia went out the window. Uh, I think it that's is... When, that's when we all became adults. Yeah, I was an adult when I watched it. Still cried, so... Mm-hmm. I just meant it. It broke your will, and then you're like, "Well, I can't. I can't be a child anymore. I have too much suffering." That's when I found my Green Lantern ring and had the most powerful will of all. Oh, excuse me. I'm thinking of the guy who wrote Marley. Me wrote Logan. Uh, What's that no, other I movie? Cry, I didn't cry during Logan. Is that James Mangold? Uh, James Mangold. Scott Frank. Oh, what am I thinking of? I am. James Mangold was the director, though. So, but you said the writer. Yeah. Uh, the Russo brothers. What did they? I know they did um, Community because they used to watch that. But they also did a movie. Let's see, directors. Nine Bridges. It's good. Coco, baby, baby, baby. Oh, I guess not. I'm looking here. Maybe they wrote it. Oh, guess not. I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm not who, sure I'm thinking of. But anyways, uh, Marley and Me, obviously, that's what we're talking about right now. Fantastic movie. Um, uh, but well, Loki, I'm really excited to see, like you said, Alex, to see where we're going with this and to see, like, where, um, like, I'm really kind of uh, excited for the rest. Of, and it's one in. And by the way, also before, like, I even watched the first episode, I saw it was an hour long. And I go, why is this show going to be an hour? Like, this should be half an hour. Now it's like um, WandaVision should have been an hour long. And then I, I watched this episode. I was like, no, nah, we need an hour for this. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so the thing-, thing is that this didn't feel like an hour long show. It was every moment was great. And a part of his Tom Hilston does such a good job encompass, encompassing his character. Uh, I either laughed with him or I wanted him to get the shit kicked out of him. Or even there's that moment when. Um, I don't remember what Owen Wilson's character's name is, but when he keeps rewinding and rewinding and rewinding, and Loki throws the chair at him, well, he rewinds him again while he goes, I'm sorry, I, I, you know, the chair doesn't get rewound. It made me laugh. Uh, he plays Mobius in the show, which actually, uh, the artist Mobius, I think that's a callback to him, a comic artist Mobius, uh, especially, um, or Mobius Strip, obviously, that too, but... One of the two things, but his name would uh, should mean something there. Um, Peyton Reed, who's I was thinking about, he did Yes Man. That's that's what I was thinking about. So uh, uh, obviously uh, important enough to go back to talk about that. But uh, Loki, uh, looking forward to more of that. I also wanted to bring up, and we were talking about this briefly before the show. Uh, the Masters of the Universe trailer came out. Only me, I think only me and Alex watched it. 
but uh, looks fantastic. Uh, awesome. Had a great song in it, uh, Garrett's favorite song. And uh, it actually looks like, I mean, I'm a huge fan of He-Man. Like when I was a kid, that was my show. Uh, again, but you know what happened recently? It was my son's birthday and my mom, for some reason, was like bought him some toys and she bought him Masters of the Universe toys. And she's like, I heard this is coming back, so you should get him into this now because I used to like it. So she's like, oh, I'm going to buy you, your son, toys I would have bought you. So she bought him like a He-Man and a Battle Cat. And uh, I was really interested in being like, holy shit, this is a Battle Cat that has the armor. You take it off. Uh, And uh, he's Prince Adam, but or he could be He-Man. Like, this is really good toys. They were actually pretty nice toys. Was it the 80s? Like the originals? Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, it's like this, like, Legends or whatever, but they're, like, they're not small action figures. They're, like, full-sized. Um, who knows, 12 inches? 18 inches? I'm not sure. Uh, but they're pretty nice. Uh, here's a song that's Garrett's first song, if anybody wants to know, by the way. He's gotta be sure and he's gotta be soon and he's gotta be larger It's only good in Shrek 2. Otherwise, I was going to say right here. No other movie or show. When I looked it up, it it said from Footloose, and then below it said from Shrek 2. And I was like, oh, yeah. Um, I heard, you know how uh, the Disney Plus shows will always, like, uh, put a trailer out every week for the next episode? Uh, This week for episode two, I heard that they also use that song. So, Garrett. Because Loki likes He-Man. And I saw, uh, when I was looking up some news to talk about at the beginning show, uh, people are calling it the uh, superhero song of the summer, holding out for a hero. So, so Black right. Widow, when she comes out, that'll be the first song that plays. <laughs> Fuck. Deal. Uh, Gary, explain why you don't like that song. Um, so uh, Marvin's wife Lois and Clark. Uh, let me Lois and Clark. Um, and so I watched it for the first time and I got through the first episode and there's a, a, a montage to Dean Kane trying on multiple different variations of a Superman or a superhero costume to that song. And it has ruined that song. And doesn't he like run and it looks cheesy? Like he runs and poses it's like a green screen like, behind him and everything. Yeah. Like, you know, like when you like a character and then it's making fun of that character in like the first episode, but you're also like trying to be serious and like, oh, there's a legacy to what I have to do. But then there's like a five minute like icebreaker montage trying on montage of him trying uh, question Gary. suits on. <laughs> I believe that whole series is on HBO Max now. Are you going to watch it? No. Garrett, you're the Superman I, guy. I know. I, I've heard it's good. I've heard it, parts of it. Are hey, good. they I've heard parts that are awful. Did you know that they remastered uh, the uh, Superman animated series that's on there in 4K? You gonna watch that? Yes, yes, I am. Right. That one I need to watch. I've never lot, seen that. It's, it's been a long time. So uh, Lois and Clark is on the. It has to be on the docket sometime, Garrett. Watch it with your girlfriend. I'm sure it's someday. It's Maybe a I'll just start at episode two, season one, and then. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, be like, oh you, yeah, there was. Some you watched episode one. Yeah, like a decade ago. Well, I mean, what what the fuck? You know about Superman? He became Superman. He was wearing a costume. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can fill in the gaps if you skip ahead. So, and then we got another fucking Lex Luthor with hair. Can't yes. get that right, I guess. You know that show used to be on USA, and I remember it coming on. Uh, 
like it would run in uh, reruns. I don't know if I ever caught it when it was actually on, but I remember enjoying watching random episodes of that show. So it can't be too bad. But then I remember also, liking Terry Hatcher. And then I remember Whoa. that them getting married was a huge thing. Like it was so like a big fe- uh, cultural phenomenon of them getting married. So I mean, the show I was need popular. to give it another shot. But the show was popular at the time. So. Basically, I'm holding out for a hero to motivate me to watch that show. Yeah. So maybe it's you guys right now. That's what I would play if I was Spider-Man. Every time I ran to a fight, I'd play that song. All right. Next segment. That would even make my villains hate me more. (laughs) Next segment before we get to the... uh, uh, Focus forecast. I always forget what we call it now. Uh, we actually have a voicemail here, so let me go ahead and play that here for you guys. Hey, Wednesday Comics. Tom here from A Comic Book Look. I'm calling in on the book club. Uh, you guys have been talking about Sweet Tooth. Uh, it's a series that I love. I'm with Alex on that one. Um, I read it when it first came out and read it serialized until it was over, and it was kind of one of the first series that I in my reading history as comics, you know, was able to catch the first one and pick up every single issue. And it was a longer series that ran to completion. So that was really cool. It's fun to hear you guys talk about it. I reread the first trade in preparation for the book club. And what really struck me is I kind of forgot that Jeff Lemire pushes away the normal tropes of American storytelling in this, in this um, series. There isn't a traditional hero. There isn't a happy ending uh, traditionally. There isn't a, um, you know, everything, a lot of times you think it will go one way. It doesn't go that way because he does not play into those tropes. Um, one of the things that you guys were talking about was how Jeffard is mean to Sweet Tooth. And you better buckle up because if you think there's like a hard character change uh, where he is becomes like a good person, it, there simply is not. Um, so I would definitely uh, be really interested on what you guys think about the entire series. Um, I, I can totally understand Gareth's apprehension of liking the series outright right away because it is a slow start. And the whole thing, guys, is it never really speeds up that much. It stays at that pace, which is monotonous and a little depressing and beautiful at the same time and that is kind of what puts Jeff Lemire at that upper echelon is he's able to write a story that's like this that is different than what you would come to expect but then you like it uh, and you're, you feel completed by when reading it in a whole different way than you would on say reading a Batman trade or a, whatever the other trades may be uh, or graphic novels may be that you like Anyway, love the show, love the new format, as I've always said. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Keep it coming. There we go. Uh, Tom leaving us a voicemail on his thoughts on Sweet Tooth, uh, the uh, Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary, Extraordinary Dental People's Book Club. Uh, Garrett's pick, uh, Sweet Tooth Volume 2. Uh, continuing our Sweet Tooth Volume 1 was the last series. And, uh, um, you know, I, I read the transcript that I didn't listen to it at all, and I saw that he was gonna uh, kind of say, "Hey, this give his overall feelings on the overall series," and I did gauge Garrett whether or not I was gonna play it 
because it felt a little spoilery to me. But a little bit. But it, to be fair, it's hard, I, I think it's hard for Alex and Tom, like having read the whole thing, to be able to like. Because that I think that pacing that he brought up is true. I mean, we've read seven issues, and like I, I get like a Walking Dead pace in my opinion, where it's just like you get a little something. Pause. Yeah. A little something. And, pause. And uh, so. uh, I didn't find it too spoilery with what he said. It's more just the kind of the tone he's talking about of the book right. um, and, the, and the way that Jeff Lemire is telling a story, which, I mean, makes sense. I mean, especially with the issue we'll talk about later today, uh, that issue, uh, when it ended, I was like, oh, I want to see, like, I feel like I needed more about uh, one certain character in that book. Uh, but I was like, I, that's how this book has been. It's always been like, here is literally feels like 10 minutes of time in this life. And then let's next issue. Uh, doesn't feel the need to kind of like it, it, to bring it and not to compare it, but it doesn't feel the need to be like family tree and be like, Hey, let's do a bunch of stuff in this final issue to like further the story along as we could. It doesn't feel like that. Um, it does feel like it's taking its time, which is fine. I mean, I know definitely has an end. I know it runs for a good, uh, 40 issues, Alex? Yes, correct. 40 issues. And so where I, we're at right now, uh, this issue, what is this issue? What number was this? Seven. Seven. So like this is where the beginning fourth of the story, like I feel like we're in a good place. And I am really excited to see what else goes on. Uh, and I think we've gotten enough uh, character stuff where uh, it's more I want to see what happens with Sweet Tooth and Jeopard. Not necessarily I don't need a, like a plot point to keep me in, enthralled in the series. So. Uh, thank you, Tom. Uh, thanks for the feedback there on, uh, Sweet Tooth. And remember, Sweet Tooth, uh, volume two, continuing on, uh, ends with issue 10? 11. 11. And then we'll, uh, move on to a next book. It will be Alex's choice for that there. Uh, remember, one issue per episode, new format, season five. And also a new format, uh, the focus forecast, a couple recommendations here, books coming out this week. Uh, I'll start first here. Stillwater by Cheep Zdarsky and uh, Mike Spicer Ramon Perez. How do you dispose of a body in Stillwater? It looks like it's time for Sheriff Tanya to take a road trip. Uh, Stillwater has been fantastic. Uh, the last issue was, uh, we'll say explosive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I am full in on this book. It's eight issues in and uh, it's... It, it kind of is one of those stories in, in almost to the opposite sense of what we were just talking about. Uh, and also kind of the same, like it doesn't really, it's not really kind of a tropey kind of story. Like there are things that have happened in that book where I'm like, geez, like I didn't expect it. Like you expect something to kind of live out for a while and they kind of throw a, a right hook at you and have it happen like right away. And then there have been issues where there's a lot of character stuff. And that's great too, because uh, I feel like this story kind of, lives on these characters because that's kind of the main focus of what the twist is in the story uh, that they basically live forever if they're in this town and they can't die. So it has to be about the people. So very excited to see uh, where that goes in issue eight. There eight uh, Norse mythology. Number two, number one of six by uh, Neil Gaiman, P Craig Russell, Mac, Matt Horak, uh, Neil Gaiman, and comics legend P. Craig Russell bring breathe new life into the ancient Norse stories by taking readers into the ancient Norse stories by taking readers. What the heck does it say it twice? No, I'm sorry. 
I tried this. <laughs> By taking the readers twice. <laughs> to the epic origins of Thor, Odin, Loki, all the way to the end of life, Ragnarok. Explore the origins of poetry, good and bad, in this tale of malicious dwarfs, suspicious giants, and the wise god uh, Kavasar, uh, whose eventual fate leads to the creation of a powerful mead that many will fight and die for. Faithfully adapted from the original novel. Alex, you read, you read the first series of this, correct? Correct. And how did you enjoy that? was really, really good. I never read the original novel. I think you, Marvin, have the book. I do, and I have the audiobook, which Neil, uh, Neil Gaiman uh, voices himself. It was it was so good. And I think a part of that, I came off like that high of playing God of War uh, from 2018, and I just I couldn't get enough of it. All this, this Thor talk with the MCU, all these different things really got me wanting to read this book and I am a person who I like mythology. I enjoy uh, the Greek books. Like I wish that this kind of thing, the Norse mythology, I wish would go into a Greek comic book as well because oh. it'd be so much fun to read it. Um, fantastic! Like this book is so much fun, and it's a fun little. Um, it's interesting to see these other these characters that we know from the MCU to be what the original concept, or at least Neil Gaiman's or Gaiman's choice for how these characters would be. It's very interesting. It's very good. Um, I will say, and when you were, I was about to be like, "Oh, there is," but it, it, it's just a book right now. But in the same kind of uh, vein of Norse mythology by Neil, Neil Gaiman, there's a book called "The Song of Achilles," which is kind of a retelling of uh, that story. Um, of the Greeks, yes. Which actually, I did buy that one too. So written I, by, I might need to get that one. Written by him? No, no, it's somebody else. Margaret. Oh. It's written by Margaret. Who was it? Uh, I have it here somewhere. Uh, Madeline Miller. Madeline Miller. But and that's the thing with, like you stated, uh, Alex, uh, uh, and I actually have, you know, I have one of those kind of uh, books that just tell straight out the uh, Greek mythology. But in kind of mythology, I'm kind of a sucker for it too. Like to see how stories are similar and see, you know, how they they try to explain uh, life. Um and uh, uh, this so far, like I said, I got the audiobook and the actual physical book. Um, and I kind of read it like one story at a time because it's it's kind of set out that way. Uh, and uh, it's really good. It's really good. And, and uh, uh, Guyman said that like he wrote this book because he wanted to introduce his son to Norse mythology. But he was like, these aren't really good stories. Like they're good stories, but he needs they need somebody to kind of go in there and like remake them for modern times. And that's what he's done. So not necessarily to make him be like, oh, they got a cell phone, but like to make it so that it's interesting. It's not just like, you know, uh, Odin. uh, Oh, sorry. I was thinking of uh, Zeus coming down as a fucking swan raping people. So Uh, (laughs) what he does, he turns into a swan and he rapes some people. So Uh, not that that not that rapes funny, but him turning into a swan. That's funny. Uh, uh, But um, yeah, I mean, this book looks fantastic. Uh, I'm surprised. So the first one didn't finish the book that's that's you think they just would have kept going yeah that's what i was gonna ask I was like why do they renumber it well but it's mythology norse mythology 2 number one so i'm wondering mm-hmm. if it's like the second half or if it's who knows maybe this is a prerequisite for our, another book he's making the book is kind of broken into sections so hey what's that first story well not that first story but there's a, f- a story in the first section it probably was in the first volume of this comic about God, who is it that shrinks really small and he's like 
trying to hurt. I don't know. I'm not gonna remember. Um, I said the the ones like the ones that still stick out in my head is the the first one where the dwarves make a bet with Loki. That's and it. And if Loki loses, he gets his neck cut off. Or and no, Loki, they got to seal his lips shut. Loki turns into a fly and goes over there and tries to fuck with them, so that way they can't win. So he doesn't get his head chopped off, and uh, he just made them more pissed, and they did better. So that's yeah. the story I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah, Loki. Uh, Radiant Black, number five, Kyle Higgins and Marcello Costa. The first arc of Radiant Black ends here. Radiant Black, Radiant Red, excuse me, it's still out there. It needs to be stopped before anyone else gets hurt. But after the events of last issue left Lockport in the re- world reeling, is Radiant Black up to the task or will he be in this fight alone? Garrett, what do you think? Um, well, Kyle Higgins did it again. Uh, we got duped once in Cowl, and now Radiant Black. Uh, there is a new person taking on the moniker of Radiant Black um, since the last person, uh, unfortunately, can't do that anymore. Uh, that's as far as spoilers all go, but uh, I am excited for this book because I think it is really interesting to do that uh, mantle switch uh, so early in the book. Um I think it is an interesting narrative change um, and I something I did not see coming. Um, so I'm excited to see how kind of like if you think of Shazam and, and his uh, brother Freddy kind of thinking like what if Freddy was Shazam and Billy never got to be Shazam, you know. Is this number five? It's number five. Okay. So I didn't, I was like, what are you talking about? What happened oh, in number three? Shit. Last one I remember was him lifting the car up. At Christmas or winter or whatever. Oh, okay. no. The I, shit hits the you, fan is what you're telling me. Got you, it. You need to read issue four. Okay. Spoilers. Don't <laughs> skip it and go to number five. Got it. I mean, I mean, you could, but you'd be pretty confused. <laughs> what the hell am I reading? Who's Got this it. ass clown? Yeah. Uh, ass butt. <laughs> it's Silver Coin, number three. Ed Brisson, Michael Walsh, the Anthology Horror Series. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Death Rattle, it's called. Death Rattle. Really good. So when I read number two, I got goosebumps, and it's not a continuation of any sort. Obviously, it's an anthology of, of different stories. It was so good. And I think a part of it is that it's it's almost even grittier than when I read Ice Cream Man. Like, Ice Cream Man is good, but for, for 24 issues, it's, I'm, I'm, like, surprised it's been two years or two and a half years. Um... But three issues that I am creeped out when I read number two. I'm excited to see what number three has and to know that we're getting different writers, but the same artists, so it always looks fantastic, uh, is really exciting. Uh, I will say later on, not a spoiler, because you probably saw from the notes, but we'll be talking about um, Black Hammer Visions, which is also an anthology series. And I saw that the issue we were reading was written by Kelly Thompson. Uh, and I was like, did she really write an issue of this? But I was thinking of Silver Coin, the last issue. So. Um, <laughs> uh, but Ed Brisson, uh, formerly of uh, your guys' favorite Wolverine book. What was that, Red and White? Was he doing that? Uh, he no. did a story in one of the Wolverine Red. I would say Black, White, and Blood was their anthology of his past past adventures. Well, speaking about the future and not the past, Supergirl World of Tomorrow by Tom King and Belisque Evely is my uh, second pick here. Carazoel, it's a miniseries, uh, I believe eight issues. Let me check the title here. 
I think I see it on the cover. It says out of eight. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited. Uh, we know Tom King does a great job with uh, miniseries, as we'll talk about later, and Alex will join us. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see him do uh, DC miniseries uh, with a character like this, similar to he's done before with Mr. Miracle and uh, Vision. So uh, eight issues instead of the usual 12 that he does, which is fine. Um, Supergirl, World of Tomorrow. And Crypto, right there on the cover. Hey, go pick that book up, Rainbow. Now a custodian, custodian. Now a Kryptonian, a dog and an angry, heartbroken child head out in space on a journey that will shake them to their very core, is the tagline. Custodian. You know what? They might as well be custodians. Can you imagine uh, Kryptonian custodians that are out there uh, cleaning up a lot after that planet pulls up? I'll tell you that much. So, ha ha ha. Well, time after time, number two. That is Declan Shelby, Rory McConville. Joy Palmer and Crystal Halloran. Uh, after escaping the uh, Syndicate alive, Tatsuro uh, must invade enemies old and new, all while trying not to kill his new time traveling companion, who is Nadia Wells, and what does she want with the time machine? Uh, is this is this related to uh, Akira? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. No, oh. it probably isn't. Tatsuro's probably a comedy. Yeah, um, I put this on my list. And I'm not sure if you guys are getting this book. Um, I read issue one and I thought it was awesome. Uh, it's a really fun time travel story of these um, people basically ferrying um, clients to different par- parts in time to either like escape crimes or get away, um, even do vacations in different time periods and whatnot. And uh, basically these farriers are, they have like, debt they're trying to get rid of to be able to leave the company and uh so one person decides to steal a time machine to do so um so obviously only issue two but i was so impressed with issue one that i am excited for issue two and to see what happens next there you go. Akira. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. Ah, uh, Garrett. Jesus Christ, man. You're like, I haven't isn't seen there that. a TV show? It's a Two? movie. Not well, it's a movie, TV but show. isn't there a TV show as well? It's a movie. It's a comic book series. I don't know if there's a TV show. If I get out. Um, I know they were going to remake it. It's on Hulu. That's the one. Where, that's the one where he's going towards the red motorcycle, right? Yeah. On the cover. It's on Hulu. Okay. You got Hulu. I got Hulu. Well, it's on Hulu. You need to watch it on Hulu. All right. All right. Hey. No, Garrett, I'm not getting that book. <clears throat> I would recommend checking out issue one. Bull. Shit. <laughs> Question for you, uh, Argo. Fuck Garrett. yourself. Uh, yes. <laughs> has your girlfriend seen Akira? No. I know she's heavy in anime, but no, she has not seen that. How do you know for sure? You talked about I mean, I'd have, to, I'd have to talk to her, but she's more... She likes... Well, I don't know, because she likes Death Note. So she, I was like, she's going to say, she likes light fair anime, like Fruits Baskets and Yuri on Ice. Send um, her a text and say, hey, have you ever seen Akira? We're okay, going to watch it on Hulu. All and right. you're going to sit down and watch that movie because you need to be educated on Kanada and Tatsuro and uh, Akira. All right? Yeah, I mean, for there to be a 30-second clip of him saying the same name over and over again. They, I mean, it. they say it a lot on that movie, so get ready for that. 
Let's say that much right now. Uh, and that's why I knew what his name was. It would, normally, I don't remember our characters' names, but I knew because of his name. Wow. It is actually a fantastic movie. It's one of my favorite animes of all time. Uh, so there you go. Uh, uh, comics for this week. Brought to you by RainbowComicsAndCars.com. Your definitive source for all things comic books. Uh, as we stated, or as Alex stated, you can pick up your comic books at RainbowComicsAndCars.com in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, or Lincoln, Nebraska, or online anytime at RainbowComicsAndCars.com. Uh, focus forecast. Alex, what's the next 24 hours of the weather looking like? You know what? So this morning I took the dog for a walk at like 7. Mm. It was amazing. Like 70 degrees, nice and comfy. Went to work, was still okay. Got home and it was hot. And guess what? It's it's going to be hot. If you're a person who likes 85 to 94, uh, it's your kind of weather. If you're like me, uh, you're going to hate it. And you're going to bitch about it to everybody. <laughs> it's hot. I saw, I didn't even know my truck's temperature gauge could go up to 103, but it can, because I saw the number. <laughs> uh, it's been really hot, and it's been really dry. No precipitation in the forecast. I do see Sunday we have a chance, uh, but I wouldn't hold. Uh, oh, yeah, we That's going to burn out before it even gets here. Well, it's a 20% chance. You know, nothing's really going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Alex is right. Hot, humid. And uh, dry, if that makes sense. It's humid, but it's not really like nothing's coming out of it. So you know what? You know what everyone should do. And I know every summer we talk about this. You take an ice pack and and you stick it in between your legs. Oh, here we go. To keep the balls from sticking. Well, don't you think, Just stick Alex, it right there. Don't It'll you be fine. Th- if you freeze something enough, it falls off. Do you really want to do this? Oh, well, I didn't say put dry ice on your groin. I just said take an ice pack, stick it right there. Cool it off. You know what? The boys like being cooled too. Yeah, keep them close. Keep them close. <laughs> what about a cooling towel? If they if they turn into ovaries, a little too cold, but it's okay. What about a cooling towel? You know, you can you can do whatever you need. Sit in a pool. Do what you need to keep right. everybody cool. If I'm what I'm going to do, and hear me out, it may be. Uh, uh, and I usually when you guys talk about this, I don't venture down this kind of humor, but I will today. I will humor you. Um, <laughs> But uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get an igloo cooler and put that between my legs and uh, I just like roll around all day on. Is that going to work? You know what? It will. I'll take off More the top. More importantly, in that cooler, stick some beers. So at least while you're rolling around, you can. Ooh, there you go. I was going to put dry ice. Chug in one it. down. Dry, dry ice? ice? Yeah, that's not going to work. Oh, no. I, no. Um, that will burn your groin off. Yep. Have you ever gotten uh, frostbite on your balls? Because that's what you're going to get. You just told me that it was safe to put it between your legs. I misunderstood what your igloo meant. No, do not stick your uh, your ice in your balls. I'll give you an update how it works out. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully you're done having kids. (laughs) Because you will be after that. Rorschach, number nine. Tom King. uh, And... Fornes. Jorge Fornes. For some reason, I was going to say Mitch Garretts. I should pull that up in front of me so I could see it. But uh, Rorschach number nine, uh, I will say, and Alex, uh, we spoke about this before the show, and so I'm only bringing it up because uh, you kind of went on a little uh, uh, talking about it before the show, and so I kind of want to recreate it uh, and bring it up now. You read eight and nine, and you said eight you weren't a fan of. 
You are correct, sir. I thought it was boring as shit. Well, what? what Correction. <laughs> I wish that you were recording when I said, uh, shit. <laughs> just, just plain. It was really funny because Alex was describing what he thought about the book and like got into like a really good, you know, description of what he experienced reading issue eight. And then there was like a second of silence. And then he was, he, after he did that was like, shit. He encapsulated <laughs> I, his I thoughts. Didn't expect it. You're right. He did have a, an actual thought out criticism of the book. And then he just encapsulated it all by saying it was shit. So, um, so, but see, now the thing is that I brought it up to the boys because I wanted to, I, I struggle with this book, which obviously anyone who's listening to the show knows that Rorschach has not been a book that I have been able to connect with in any sort of way. So I read number eight, knowing that both Marvin and Garrett enjoyed it. So I'm trying to figure out how can I, well, actually, how can I, I get myself caught into this book? I will say to uh, your benefit, uh, or to your point, Alex, you did state beforehand, you said number eight was really wordy, right? And Correct. when I was reading it, I had the same thought, but also it, I thought there's a lot of words in here, but it didn't bother me because the way that they were spurs throughout the book was small chunks. And I remember Garrett telling me that Tom King said that he kind of wrote this like a novel, and uh, it's so it's kind of gonna it's kind of gonna read that way. So um, I feel like there's been a lot of a lot of uh, uh, dialogue and 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 narration from issue one. And so this one definitely, I'm mean, number eight definitely was the most, uh, and it was most noticeable because we had three people telling a story at once, and so it literally was just them telling three stories. Uh, but and it was most noticeable. But like I said, I think I think it's more about expectation. Like I came in the mindset with what Garrett kind of told me because of that interview, and I think I went and read that interview. You sent it to me, Garrett, and yep. um, and so I was like, oh, okay, so this is going to be kind of more of a novel pacing and novel kind of style work, and not really. Uh, what I do think it really works well as a comic. Like I think Jorge Fortunes is doing a great job about kind of making it really fit this kind of medium but i do i mean tom king is kind of writing it like a novel and number eight is a is a great example of uh if how he's doing that and when i say great i don't mean that it's i i, I thought eight was probably my favorite issue so far and and you said you didn't like it at all but uh when i say great i don't mean that in terms of quality but i do think it's the best example maybe that's the best way to put it of how he's making it a novel because it definitely was structured like a chapter in a novel. Um, number nine, yeah. though. Oh, go ahead, Gary. Oh, no, I was just, yeah, I was just going to elaborate on that. I mean, talking about issue nine, that I think nine benefits more from having read issue eight. Because if you, if you think of, like, setting, you know, we're completely at the farm now. So last issue, you kind of got used to that location. You've seen some of the things they've done. And there's callbacks to issue eight, like with shooting the uh, smiley face pin. Um, but I tell you what, the last six pages of this book, maybe a little less, where the detective is solving all the clues back to back to back was gold. Well, nine, you said was... you really did enjoy Alex, right? Nine, yes, I did enjoy nine. So I enjoyed the detective work. Well, I do feel like, and what Garrett was just stating too, is like nine is where it, it really does what 
You nailed it on the head there, Garrett. Like nine benefits from eight. Eight sets up that whole thing. So let's just recap. Eight was he, three people got money after that job went down and he brought them all in. And they all have some sort of story on how they did work that was unrelated to that crime of the assassination or the, the failed assassination. And they were just doing other work and they were, uh, they did not know what was going on. And towards the end, the detective was like, there's no way your stories are too perfect. They're too aligned. They're too similar. Like you guys are clearly have been coached to tell these stories. Like I, and he beats the shit out of him in the interview room. Um, but he's like, I need it. Like I, I just tell me what's going on here. And then they all kind of like drop their face and smile and be like, Oh, so you're the one, um, that we were told that would come. And so they really, they were in it all together, all three of them. And, but they're still not going to crack at what they know, but they got paid off. And so that's how they know he knew that they were all involved with it. But then issue nine, like I said, he travels to there based on their information that this is where he built all this shit and did all that. And as you stated, Alex, the detective work in that issue is fantastic. And he's even kind of, you know, so Rorschach in this story, there is no Rorschach. It, it's these people kind of thinking that Rorschach's spirit is in them. And uh, so we do have two Rorschachs in this story, one being the Frank Miller person and then one being um, Meyerson. But uh, but they re- they think they have the spirit of Rorschach in them. But the detective really kind of, and they kind of show this, they kind of mirror this where they show Rorschach kind of doing some things and, and doing his herm as he does. And then they show the detective going, hmm. And it's almost like he embodies the detective skills of Rorschach, but he's not quite corrupt in thinking. He's not crazy yet, uh, as these guys are, but he's at least has the detective skills of that. And this issue, he the one thread throughout this whole thing what he couldn't explain was like these two seemingly have nothing to do with this campaign, have nothing to do with politics, and why would they want to try and assassinate Tolly uh, uh, for what reason? They have no reason to assassinate this person. And in this issue, we find that they uh, are possibly or most likely uh, being paid by the Redford. Uh, Robert Redford uh, campaign to take out his opponent by assassinating him. And and they kind of, in a way, trick these two mentally ill people to be like, the squids are going to come like all everything that's bad that you've been taught about. And you say you're going to fight against the evil of this world. The evil's over there and I need you to kill him for me. Boom. And, you know, it gives me a parallel like uh, Fight Club, you know, like Tyler Durden. Like, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like these guys are all thinking the detective is, you know, the re Because you know how, uh, uh, I can't think what the girl's name is right uh, now. Kid, I think the, kid. The, kid, the kid. The kid, yeah. How she's, like, her theory that, like, you know, Rorschach's essence goes into other people yeah. as it fades from another. So, like, I feel like. They all think it's going into uh, the detective here, and like, who's to say it's not? Uh, but is you know, we all know Tom King too. Is he misdirecting us, trying to get us to think like that, just to pull the wool from us and say, "Ha, it's not that." So, I love the web, and I love like how we're. That's the best part of a mystery is when some answers are revealed, but we get more questions because the answers that we got 
we're trying to understand. And I just, I love this book. I just think it's such a fun detective story. And I feel like the last couple issues are just going to be like the best part of any mystery book is the, of the whodunit is we get all the answers. So I, it's, I have really enjoyed going from a crime scene and then finding that Myers and the old man and being like, what the fuck at this old man trying to kill somebody. And then they found out he's a comic book artist and going through his history. And like, he could not figure out like, what is this guy trying to assassinate a political presidential candidate for? And for what reason? And the more they kind of, he, the more he digs into it to find the connection, the more he kind of gets lost in that world. And even to a point now, like I said, that he's mirroring, uh, Rorschach's kind of, uh, mannerisms and, uh, is falling into that. And like you, you stated, Garrett, like, is he falling into that because he's like the, he's, you know, been in this world too long and he's kind of like now doing it, uh, uh, unconsciously, um, or subconsciously or not unconsciously. He's not dead or out, but, uh, subconsciously, but, but, uh, um, or is it just a coincidence? So we'll see. But I think the the best thing so far for me in this book is how um, it kind of... So Tom King's books always kind of have a through line, right? Some are about... Some are successful in telling whatever he's trying to do and some aren't successful. Obviously, we had like PTSD was the Heroes in Crisis kind of overall story. And now we with the like Strange Adventures over there, we kind of have uh, war crimes and what happens actually in war and how war can change people. And in this story, uh, we have, you know, these how people can kind of be turned uh, and become these kind of people. like evil basically can prey on people and make them become something that they uh, have no ability or or don't have the wherewithal to uh, ignore because they'll they'll believe this conspiracy all they want to that uh, Tully is it Tully or Tory one of the two Tully Tully is you know some person who's working with the aliens and and he needs to be stopped and all this shit like there's no way Robert Redford he know, Robert Redford knows the truth that that whole shit was some sort of <clears throat> thing by Ozymandian like he knows all that because he had been given that letter and he chose to hide it all so that way he could stay in power and and have everybody be in fear of this might be coming back someday and that's how he stayed this long as president because he's extended his term i think it was it three terms he's been there um, yep. and so like he obviously doesn't want to give up that power he wants to be reelected again and so they found a way to find people who actually believe in that conspiracy even though he knows it's not true and use them to his benefit in order to keep power and I think that's what this story is ultimately about is how people are used against even their own uh, benefit uh, for the benefit of others. And uh, I, I, this issue, like you said, this issue was really great with the detective stuff. And I think the last third here, we're going to kind of see uh, the detective kind of, he's got to, he's going to go for the president now because he said the president's involved and uh, is that power too strong and he can't stop the machine or is he going to be able to do something about it? So that's what it's ultimately going to be about. So. Mm, I'm gonna give nine to nine. It's it's strange for me because 
I'm going to say 10 just because like there's nothing I would do differently in this issue. But issue eight, especially also like, and I think at this point, I just am so in love with this, this way that he's telling this story is, uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to be like, oh, that was a bad issue. Like, I think I'm a hundred percent sold with this until the end. And I mean, unless it really shuts the bed, which could be possible. I'm going to go with an eight. I probably is the highest I've ever given this book. Um, I'm sure there's I nothing I be. actually would have changed. I just don't care. I think I still don't be. care. I know you don't. Uh, what's funny is that it looks beautiful. Jorge Fornes and Dave Stewart doing the colors. Like, it looks fantastic. And the uh, symmetry in the art when he's telling, you know, the past and, and the current story uh, is fantastic. Oh, you know what? Remi- this so I want to bring this up, too. So he kind of is talking to the kid. But the kid's not actually there. He's, like, talking about his – he's talking to her, like – that he manifests her out of nowhere and like she's there, which kind of brings me uh, to the same theory that you came up with, Garrett, that maybe he is kind of falling into that role of Rorschach uh, because he has the kid there now and he's talking to her, but she's not fucking there. Like, obviously that dude's kind of losing it a little bit with this whole thing. The whole thing right. is kind of wearing on him. And, and like I said, maybe when he goes against the machine, you know, the powerhouse of, of all this corruption, Maybe he'll be uh, turned and corrupted the same way they were, uh, because by then he'll be uh, not. He won't have the ability to uh, uh, save himself. So uh, we'll see. Very excited to see the rest of that. Uh, Rorschach number nine, Tom King and Jorge Fornes, Dave Stewart. Uh, the other issue we read uh, was uh, Black Hammer uh, Visions number five with uh, Kelly Thompson. Uh, writing issue with the art there. Black Mirror, not Black Mirror, Black Hammer, uh, Visions. Uh, I can think of five. I think it was the same one who did uh, the miniseries Skulldigger. Is that Romero? Leonardo Romero, yep. Kelly Thompson, Leonardo Romero. So we get the. Uh, uh, the Oh, and Jordi Belair. Uh, we get the uh, Skulldigger uh, into this story, and it's kind of. A story about the skull digger and is this the uh who what's that girl's name in this book too? Is that Bjor? Uh, yeah, Bjor. Um, uh later she says, Call me this. Uh I forget what it was though. Anyways, if we're really gonna give an explanation of the story is it kind of is like Batman and Catwoman um kind of story, and uh I thought it was done very well. Like it's a very simplistic story, I feel like. Uh, and it wasn't something that like is mind blowing, but I think if you're going to tell this story, uh, in this universe, I thought it was, uh, done well. I was thrilled. We got another skull digger story, uh, coming off the six issue miniseries. I was like, man, if I know, I'm probably never getting any skull digger ever again. Like the story was so well done. And I think this was like a, a love letter to that mini because, you know, we get, you know, yeah, like you said, the Batman-Catwoman dynamic, um, but we also get how um, Skulldigger's truest, like, motivation is being a good, pro- I mean, he, the way he does it is a little violent, but uh, just trying to be a good person and be a hero, and, uh, you know, to find out that his uh, dad is involved, uh, Grim Jim. I was shocked. I was like, no, there's no way we'll see Grim Jim again either. And then he shows up in this book. And I just was like, God, I just love this universe. And I love, like, I thought the art was good. 
And I love the chemistry between uh, Bior and uh, Skulldigger. I just thought they really, really hit. Uh, they really understood that dynamic, and it was interesting to see Skulldigger kind of like get uncomfortable with this. He d- he doesn't really rely on other people or uh, you know trust other people willingly. So it it's pretty pretty great story. I, I love the crap out of it. I think I, I'm interested in it's it's the Batman reference of of uh, you know Grim Jim being the Joker and and obviously Bior being Catwoman uh, when she goes and asks Skulldigger to give her help and he goes you know I can't help you because what you want to do is wrong is bad and uh, then when he finds out that she brought uh, Grim Jim with her and he goes what the hell she goes I told you I needed help I judge her so much. There's only two people in that city you could have asked for help from, and it was either a good guy who didn't want to do a bad thing, or a monster. <laughs> what did you expect the monster to do? Stab a monster that would be people. very difficult to bring incognito to an event. <laughs> yeah, a purple man. <laughs> when he does show up, they'll never know it's you. <laughs> he does show up kind of like the Kool Aid Man. He's just like, hey, yeah, and it's like. Uh, Grim Jim. Is this the masquerade? <laughs> which I haven't read the Skull over Skull Digger and Skeleton Boy uh, uh, book yet. Uh, oh, I believe it's in so Google, so I have to so read good. it. Um, but uh, Grim Jim uh, was I, I, when I was reading this. It obviously, it's kind of like a Batman kind of uh, uh, analogy um, or similar story. And Grim Jim, I was like, that's the perfect way to kind of like have like a Joker type character. Um, but you know what, actually, uh, Alex, you picked these two books that we were talking about and two people got stabbed in the gut. So, uh, gut shots in this, uh, that's how the other guy died in Rorschach on the, that's why there was so much blood. So they threw him in the, the sewage system. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot about that. I was thinking about like that detective got th- went through shed and you see him like, sitting there full of shit to get that guy out of there. You know what? I would, I would actually, oh, sorry, go back to Rorschach for a moment. I actually would up it to a nine. Because the detective work was so good. When you look at the wall and he goes, however he got shot, it was too far below. Um, we covered up with this beautiful picture. I'm going to give it a nine. Yeah, I'm sorry, see, everyone. He said, I lied. he said, like, because you stabbed him in the gut, he would have been hunched over, and then you would have been, your shot would have been off, and so he would have shot you in the arm, and then it would have been too low, and yeah, all that stuff. But, uh, uh, and then he, you know what? He didn't call for backup. He's like, hey, can you help me get a dead body out of the shit septic tank? He was like, no, I'm going in there myself. I would have left it. <laughs> I would have left fucking shit. I would think about that when any kind of story has somebody pick up somebody else and like br- like drag them somewhere. I'm like, there's no way I could do that. Uh, I don't know how they. Well, maybe maybe adrenaline you could do it, but uh, that guy was not full of adrenaline. He was just like, let me go into a hole, into a pile of shit and and piss, and uh, uh, pull a guy out of there. Who knows how fucking deep he is. And uh, throw him. And he's not wearing a mask. Nothing. I mean, he <laughs> and, came back up. That dude throw just him back methane for two minutes. Throw him back through the hole and climb through the hole. Um, anyways, Kelly Thompson. I thought the story was uh, uh, great and actually made me want to go back and read uh, the uh, the mini. Um, I do see here, though, what's the different artist? It's Tonchi Zongchik and Jeff Lemire. So it's not the same person it does look like but i looked at the uh preview and it looks similar though so yeah i think they chose like a similar style but oh i think you'll love oh his weapon is pretty sweet that skull on the end of the it's almost kind of like a ghost rider uh chain but he has a skull at the end of it 
Uh, Ghost Rider, Punisher, Batman is what he is. Yeah, that's what he is. And uh, I thought it was pretty great. And uh, it was, for me, it was very simplistic, but obviously for you guys, like you said, Gary, it's kind of like the cherry on the cake that you already had devoured. Uh, For me, it was kind of like, oh, this is a nice little taste to get me into trying that out. So I'm going to go with this. It was successful enough to make me want to go read that. So uh, Leonardo Romero, by the way, people are sleeping on Leonardo Romero. This guy needs more work. He did the, he did some Hawkeye, I believe. And he did some uh, Captain America with Mark Wade. He did like an issue or two of that. Uh, but besides that, I haven't really seen him that much. And I think really he should be getting more work because he's fantastic. So um, uh, I'm going to give this book a nice eight. Nice eight. Nine. Let me give it a nine. Really, It was really good. Like you said, cherry on top. It was kind of simplistic. A little, could have been a little bit more exciting, but it was nice to revisit the uh, Grim Jim and the Punisher-esque Skull Digger. Yeah, I'll give it a nine as well. Uh, it was fun dipping back in that world. Uh, I mean, would have mind a little uh, Skeleton Boy cameo, but hey, what do you, maybe we'll get that down the line. I imagine he's got to show up in the... Uh, um, in volume three or section three of Black Hammer, there's too much good stuff to talk about with Skull Digger and have Skeleton Boy in the book as well. I would love to see them, or maybe it's going to be in the uh, Black Hammer Reborn or whatever. We need more of them. Black Hammer Crisis on multiple Black Hammer Earths. Oh, sorry, I'm lied. I lied. But usually a lot of that Black Hammer stuff is on Hoopla, but it's not. Skull Digger isn't. So, well, hey, Marvin. Remember I told you that a lot of the back issues are only a dollar? Yeah, yeah. I know you told me that. And uh, there's not a trade-out yet for that. So uh, um, buying it. Is it only six issues? How many issues are we talking about here? Six. Six dollar make you hollow. Hmm. And the uh, trade is out June 22nd. Ooh, I can't wait that amount of time. Um, and it'll be 12 bucks. So uh, yeah, I can get it for half price right now before they probably raise that thing. Uh, okay. Uh, those are the, oh, we have one more book here, our book club book. Uh, here we go. Sweet Tooth, Jeff Lemire. Speaking of Jeff Lemire's World of Black Hammer, let's move over to his World of the Sweet Tooth. Uh, Jeff Lemire, Jeff Lemire, the twins, uh, back with, uh, issue number seven. Seven? Seven. Yep. Uh, seven. Sweet Tooth. Uh, once again, for the book club, we're, uh, we're reading, uh, this classic, uh, Sweet Tooth. We start out with Jepper having a flashback about his wife in, in the, uh, just right after everybody started getting sick in the, what I'll call the, uh, almost apocalypse time. And then leading into the apocalypse times of him being like, he was always good at surviving, fighting, hiding, killing, stealing. And she, uh, was always there for him. Um, and so like he kept her, him sane. And he kept her alive. But then, obviously, he didn't uh, because uh, she has passed away. And we learned that in the last issue by getting her bones. And he says uh, that he's still alive like a goddamn cockroach. Uh, and then uh, I'll skip to – we'll just tell Jepper's whole story right now. But then we skip to the end. And he's, he's kind of having, you know, goes to get drunk in factory town. And he's having thoughts of the past and his wife. And he kind of remember he remembers her being like I'm pregnant, and that's where his story kind of ends for that being pregnant in this world where uh, 
it's not so nice. I mean, they can barely eat a can of beans together before they get fucked over. It's like they said that they, they at first were trying to, you know, group with people and have a community. But once food gets scarce, you realize that people aren't really in the mood to help out others anymore. And so they kind of moved on to uh, be nomads themselves and not really be part of a group, uh, which actually for the first time in this kind of world really paints a really uh, depressing and dreading picture uh, where I was like, I really hit me being like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that <laughs> before this. You know, when you always think about the, the apocalyptic world, some people make it look cool like a Mad Max. Uh, this one was just like, it, it almost kind of reminded me of the road where I was like, I don't want to live this. Uh, you're always on the lookout. You're probably stressed out, never sleeping and eating a can of beans for, a, uh, for a meal that should last you three days. So, uh, I, his story has been so far very depressing and, and it kind of adds to the fact that, uh, how much that I am now liking Jeopard because of what he's been through, but we'll see, you know, boy could always, you know, get mad about some candy bars again and I'll get pissed off at him. What do you think, Garrett? Yeah, I, I'm becoming, I'm liking Jeopard more. I mean, I still think he's a piece of shit. Uh, for doing that to Gus, but, you know, it's not necessarily that they created a bond. You know, Jeopard always did have an end goal in mind. Um, but you see how innocent and kind Gus is to the other animal creatures in this book, and you're just like, how could you do that to a defenseless creature that doesn't know any better? So, I get it, he wanted his wife's remains, and he did that, and so... And there was a second there, I was like, oh, well, he's going to go. Now he's going to go get Gus. And he's like, nope, I'm going to go trade my most powerful possessions and drink. And I get one beer for a rifle. You know, I was like, what? You, you could hunt with that. Like, you could provide yourself with so much with just a rifle. Instead, he's like, I'm going to have one 12-ounce beer. That's what I thought, too, when he was trying to get into the town. He's like, I gave you my horse and this rifle. But I need the rest to train inside. I go, oh, he needs the rest to go inside and actually get some good weapons. And then he goes inside and goes, can I trade all this shit for booze? And I was like, oh, okay, this guy really is just, it really, and and, and uh, from what Tom said earlier in the voicemail and from uh, the impression that I get uh, from uh, Alex over here, uh, not sure, uh, I mean, he tries to like, puts a gun in his mouth and he can't do it. Like I, and he said, I'll live forever like a goddamn cockroach, so he's going to go drink himself to death instead. But, I don't think you're really going to drink yourself to death with that one, you know, beer that you have. So, uh, it's kind of like, he's down in the dumps right now, depressed, obviously, because everything going on, but he's kind of uh, really self-involved and not really thinking about, he just hasn't thought about Gus once, as to your point, Garrett, like, oh, maybe he's going to go back now and help him. He hasn't thought about him once since he left, Mm so. Yeah, it doesn't seem like... uh... Doesn't seem like Gus is getting help from Jeopardy anytime soon. Um, and it seems like Gus and the boys are running out of time because they're yeah. about to have some experiments run on them. It's not looking good. Uh, by the way, the page of Gus getting shot up with uh, the trank or whatever it is, uh, is probably the best looking uh, page in this book so far. Uh, just because it has to be, it's a splash page. But I really stared at that for a while because... I think it really shows kind of what you were saying, Garrett. Like, this kid's 12, and he's obviously frightened, scared, crying, and they grab him by his head and stab this thing into his neck. And 
I think really that's where that story kind of really gets scary about like what are they going to do? And when he gets down to that basement or wherever the fuck it is and you see that they've been experimenting on uh, some animals, you see some pregnant people and they have machines hooked up to them, you see cages and cages full of hybrids uh, and uh, I don't like you said, time's running out. And nothing good happens in that kind of environment. So uh, if I saw all that stuff, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to fucking die down here. Like, I'm not thinking I'm, you know, going to have, a, you know, a buffet down there or have a nice time. Like, that's You might be a buffet down there. <laughs> yeah. When you, you see the, the guts hanging out down the middle, you know, I was mm. like, that's fucked. They took it out of the horse. And I'm thinking, why not the beaver? You know, get that guy out of here. Uh, <laughs> My God. <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I'm assuming I'm, when they show like the. Of roses of of different animals, they kind of look similar, but that horse was in like one of his friends before. Is that what Alex? Is that one of his friends' horses, or is that just a different horse? I I can't remember if they took the horse earlier or not because there's there was two horses in his cage, and I think they took one, and I think that was his friend or his cellmate. Yeah, um, that's even more fucked up. Well, even the, I don't remember what the little pig's name is, but she goes, there used to be more of us in here. Uh, there used to be too much of us that we just, we couldn't even move. Now we're, we're so small in a group of people, uh, they come, they come in, grab us and they take us and we never come back. And some of us can talk like us and some of us don't talk. And, uh, it, it just, I don't know. It's one of those things where you look at this going, these are people's kids Yeah, that they are killing and gutting or testing or what have you. And these women who are downstairs tied up to these machines, are they tied up? Are they there by choice? Um, I mean, all it shows you is that humans are monsters. And even if you were born a human, but you look different, much like the X-Men or, or even our society nowadays, we hate you for one reason or another. Uh, I reread this book and I go, I hope you die. By the way, a Doctor... Very painful death. Is it Dr. Sai? Um, Sing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I, I look at him and I look at his tools and I don't think that uh, he went to medical school. So, uh, yeah, it's like a little ru- the tools look a little rusty. And his he, got a, he got a GED. He thought that meant he's a good ass doctor. <laughs> um, his tie is like almost falling off. Um, uh, and I, I was just like, I wouldn't trust him. I mean, he could barely. It looks like he hasn't combed his hair in years. So, I mean, am I really going to trust him with a scalpel? I don't think so. He's and, totally on drugs, too. I mean, and, and even if we look at the, what he did to that horse, that's not a sanitary work environment. They got blood everywhere. Uh, and I don't know if you noticed, uh, uh, there's a little horse nudity in that panel, so viewer discretion is advised in this comic. So. <laughs> um, Grab yeah. the sheath. <laughs> but I really enjoy this issue. Like I was stating before when Tom had dropped the voicemail and stated that the pacing is uh, very slow. Like, this here... For me, even though this was like a full issue, um, is like I thought it was a great issue, uh, but it really is the pacing is like like one thing happens to Gus and one thing happens to Jeff. Actually, two things. There's multiple things happen with Jeopardy. He had a lot, a lot of good character moments, but it really is at a pace where it's like uh, we've been at that farm and like they were waiting in that room for what two three issues, and then now finally we get down here. So it, I mean, it's not an explosive fast pace, but. It's enough to kind of settle with these these characters to really feel fear for Gus when he's down there. And you're like, what are you going to do to this kid? 
Like, uh, and you see the other uh, hybrids, and you worry about them too because of the time we had with the the hybrids that he met. So, except for the, obviously the beaver, but um, the rest of them. <laughs> really hate that beaver. <laughs> and I think of Jeopard uh, and his storyline, you know, with his wife being pregnant. I bet either she gives birth to a hybrid or she dies in childbirth. I don't know. Something doesn't add up there, obviously. We'll see. We'll see. Who knows what exactly is going on. But as you stated, Garrett and Alex, like these are, they're not full. I mean, not that it matters. Like they could be full a different species. And it's still like if they are this kind of aware and uh, these kind of people that obviously, I mean, they are a, a sentient being. We should treat them with kind of the same respect as we would other humans. But even if they're they're hybrids still, so they are half human still, and they're still doing these kind of atrocities to these hybrids. And it, and like you stated, Alex, it's kind of a commentary on like what people will do when somebody's different than them. They can kind of disassociate and and kind of not see become dehumanized to everything, and and treat these people like experiments and not really like the people that they are. And uh, as this goes on more, I'm sure it'll get more into that kind of commentary, but that uh, nine panel grid, which by the way, is fantastic kind of uh, storytelling setting up that lab. And I feel like I know it in nine panels, uh, silent panels too, by the way, Um, but also horrifying because it, it, it's, I think it's very impactful because you see that and it does remind you of the atrocities that human beings have done to other human beings in real life. And so you can kind of see what what's going to be happening to Gus without having Jeff having to spell it out and be like, he's probably going to, they're probably going to experiment on him and do this stuff. Like, you know, that's the line they're going down because history has shown that's what kind of beings we are, uh, or at least the bad ones. So uh, I liked it a lot. Um going to give this... Uh, a nine just because the beaver showed up again. No, I'm gonna get, this one was, was really fantastic. I thought, I'm going to give this one a 10. I thought it was really impactful, this issue. I'm going to go with an eight. Um, I liked both storylines, Gus's and Jeopard's. Um, you know, I just... Uh, too many questions. I got too many questions yet. Just need more answers. But the art was great. Uh, you know, I'm still amazed that Jeff Lemire is drawing so consistently well. Uh, nothing against you, Jeff, but Trillium, cough, cough. Um, I think you need I, to go back and examine that Trillium. Yeah, maybe my tastes have changed. That was like early, early comic reading. I'm not getting my hopes up. So I just I, remember. Th- what's that? What eight like, years old now? now? Yeah. If not longer, I I haven't read it yet. I have it somewhere in my bazillion stack of books. Uh, I need to reread it myself. I actually just need to read it. So who knows? Hmm. Hey, what was that Jeff Lemire and Scott Snyder book? AD After Death. Did you like that too, or did you have the same issue? I no, I like that. I did. so what I I like Jeff Lemire's art in that. I thought Scott Snyder's story was weak in okay. that third one, especially. Um, looking for the year of that, Alex. Uh, by the way, Sweet Tooth. There you go. Sweet Tooth issue number seven. We'll talk about number eight next week. Uh, for our Garrett, uh, Garrett, what's the book up called? Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary Gentle People proudly presents Sweet Tooth issue eight uh, by the Jeff Lemire twins. 
<laughs> Jeff Lemire, Jeff Lemire. I'm looking for Trillium. I don't see it on here. Oh, uh, it's been forgotten. This going to be, what, 2013, maybe? That's strange. Mm. Well, let me just search for it, I guess, because I don't see it on Comixology. Which is strange, because you think it would be on here. It's one of his uh, more recent books, Trillium. Let's see here. Trillium. Uh, Jeff Lemire. Nope, not Trillium. Uh, Brewing Company. Trillium book uh, 2014. So, it has, yeah, it has been seven years. So, take a second look at that, Garrett. Thinking about it still seems like shit to me. I mean, seems we'll, like we'll, seems like we got a lot to work with here. We got this. You got to catch up on Lois and Clark. You got to watch, uh, what was the movie? Akira. Um, and so. Uh, I know. I got a lot of homework. Hot damn. You know, Garrett, I'm looking at Trillium uh, previous year, and it looks exactly like Sweet Tooth. So, I, I think you maybe take a second look at that thing. So. Story was weak, dude. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to say the story. If Andocente wrote it, I would agree. It, it is kind of out there as a story. Do not. I'm not even going to go there. Actually, you might enjoy it, Garrett. It really is like a, a trippy sci fi time style. I read Trillium. I bought it I mean, issue. today's Garrett, not 2014 Garrett. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. All right. to be fair, 2014 Garrett was six, so he didn't know anything. Yeah, and you guys were like 35 already. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna be. At least we could read. When you when you were talking about He Man, watching that as kids, like I wasn't even ex- I didn't even exist yet. For the record, I wasn't old enough to watch He Man. It was wrapping up by the time I would have seen it. Hmm. I enjoyed it. I mean, it also is something that I tried to watch recently, and it, it's I mean, it doesn't hold up, but. Um, uh, the new one looks like I said. The new one looks like they were like, "Oh, you watched that as a kid. Now this is for you." So uh, I'm excited to see what that would uh, look like. So, um, Black Widow coming out here soon uh, in a couple weeks, and so we really don't have a feature for this week uh, because, uh, to be honest, I forgot about. It. Oh, I had a feature for last week. What was that? Um, Best endings. The top five <coughs> endings. You know what, actually? Let's hold off on that until the end of this arc. Uh, top five endings. So in a few weeks here, seven to 11, that's four, four weeks, about a month from now. We'll talk about it then. That way it gives us a little more time to, because uh, I know you guys wanted to reexamine that. And uh, let me make it a thing. We have time for it. We're already an hour 20 in here. I don't want to make it two hours. Uh, but I was going to bring up uh, Black Widow. Uh, is coming out here soon, and I've seen some advertisements. Which the advertising, I don't know, Garrett, if you notice this, the advertising looks kind of weird. It kind of looks like Scarlett Johansson, like her, she has a haircut, and she looks like she's in front of a green screen. And they're like, she's like, oh, the movie's coming out soon. And like the trailer's playing behind her, and it almost seems like his movie's been delayed what four times. That they're yeah. like, Scarlett, can you come in? We get, we need new ads. Like we can't show these old ads anymore. And uh, it's been what a year, two years almost. And it's she has to come in and be like, "All right, well, how are we gonna do this?" And they're like, "I hey, let's just go in front of the green screen and we'll do." This. I a hundred percent agree with you. Like, I think they're just like, "Hey, Skojo, get in here. Uh, we got to do some ads." And if, finally, it's coming out. If, like, you know, that's the bummer. I mean, obviously, it can't be helped. But I feel like I've seen. I'm really hoping I go to that movie and all the trailer stuff is like five minutes of that movie because, like, yeah. 
That's what Isaiah Rush is about I'm to say. I'm going to be so bummed because that's all I've seen the same clips over and over again for two years now almost, and I'm like, it better be more than just this. I got to give credit to Scarlett Johansson, everyone who worked on this movie, though. There have been no spoilers of what happens. True. I mean, that's two years or year and a half of holding on to these secrets that you're sworn to not mention. And I'm going, man, by now I would have given over the farm. I mean, part of me that makes me hopeful for is that I haven't seen much of Taskmaster uh, a lot in those trailers. So I and I think he's in like one trailer that I saw. So I'm hoping that he's in more of the movie. But if he's only in a little bit of it and that's all he is, is in the trailer, I'll be disappointed. But I feel the same way. And by the way, I had the same feelings about Loki and Loki turned out great. Uh, yeah. that I'm going to go to and be like, okay, this is like a thing that like, they should just put this out. It's been too long now. And the hype for this, like I've been waiting for this movie for a year and a half now. And you know, nothing to anybody who's worked on the video on the movie, the video on the movie, uh, because uh, nobody could have foresaw what delayed this movie so many times. Um, but I think when it initially happened, when we were in that year of quarantine, they should have just been like, hey, especially since they eventually gave in and were like, this will come on Disney Plus as a rental and you can do that if you want to. Like, they should have just done that a year ago and been like, hey, you can do this. Like, um, I don't, I, I honestly, because it takes place in the past and I honestly don't yeah. know what could happen in this movie that they really want you to see it in theaters. So, well, yeah, I mean, without seeing, I don't want to speculate, but. I think, uh, you know, I agree with you, but I think, you know, if there was one thing that would save the theater industry, it is Black Widow. So I think this is going to be a huge test on the world stage because, like, I know, like, internationally they're doing movies and, like, we're doing movies in the U.S., but, yeah, like, but... obviously there hasn't been the – it's all been horror movies so far. So, like, Black Widow will be the real, like, hey, let's get back to the movies, everybody. Yeah, because, and, like uh, – um... Quiet Place 2 was the number one movie last weekend, and it only made $12 million, which is a lot of money, but money, uh, movies used to make like 100000 100 millions of dollars opening weekend, especially something like uh, that kind of movie. And so, or even like Cruella didn't do that well in theaters. And so, like, I think you're right. I think that's the big, the big thing that everybody's like, we're back. It's 4th of July weekend, and 4th of July is on a Saturday, uh, Sunday. And I think a lot of people are going to take that Friday off and, you know, some people go on vacation and stuff like that. But Isn't that the 9th? Yeah, it's the weekend after. You know what? They're done after 4th of July. They want to kind of, you know, cool it off and have a weekend where they just don't do anything and they go to Black Widow. So, uh, holds true either way. Um, hey, speaking of which, is hashtag guest host one cone home that weekend? Uh, the yeah. Saturday, yeah, we'll have to talk about it because it's yeah, my dad's doing a retirement party that weekend. So, oh, all right, your dad's retiring. Well, he did retire actually. Oh, well, we'll talk yeah. about that off the show, not right now. <laughs> uh, here we go. Wednesday comics six oh five at gmail dot com. This email address. Let us know. I got a question for everybody out there. Black Widow. You're gonna rent it in the comforts of your own home for thirty dollars. You're gonna go out to the movie theaters and watch it there. I'm getting the Fantastic Four together. We're going to fucking see it together. Movie. Movie theater. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, if you have like a family of five, I could see you just renting it at home and stay there. But I think yeah. that's like you were studying, Garrett. I think that is, I need to go get out of the house and see a movie for the first time in almost two years. So uh, I need to get some milk duds. 
I thought you liked that. I can't elephant. buy him when I'm at home. Don't you like something else? Oh, that's Garrett. No, Kazoozles. Garrett. Uh, all the kazoozles. At Wednesday Comics on Twitter, <coughs> at the AP Keaton, at Karat2188, and at Marvin underscore Sal Guero. Find us there on the Twitter. Uh, you can always call 605-215-1849 or go to WednesdayComics.com and click on the message button to leave us a message. You can also find our merch page on that same page by clicking on the website button there. And you can also use that as an opportunity to subscribe through anchor.fm. Or you can use any of the other platforms that we're on, like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and introducing one that I we just popped up on, Amazon Podcasts and Audible.com. Uh, you can also subscribe to us that way if you would like to, too. Um, like to, too. So if you listen to this on one of those things, just click the follow button and we'll pop in every week when we put out an episode. So, uh, Thank you for sponsoring the Focus Forecast. Roots of the Swamp Thing.com. All issues of Holland Files are now available for $10 each. Go to Roots of the Swamp Thing.com to get your copy of the excellent zine of the Swamp Thing. Uh, is that it? Yeah, I think so. I think that's it. Um, uh, good show. I thought we had some good books this week. Uh, Loki, as I stated, is out now, and so I'm excited to get to that second episode. I'll probably get to it uh today or tomorrow and see how it is. Uh, really excited for that. We're back into it, boys. Yeah, Loki, and then we got Black Widow, and then what's after Black Widow? When's this Doctor Strange movie? Shang Chi. Doctor Strange not till next. Shang Chi, Eternals, Spider Man. Doc Strange. I was speaking of hiding stuff, Alex. I haven't seen anything about Spider Man. I saw something on TikTok and I think it's true and I don't want to spoil it, but I think the teaser trailer is coming out soon. I think I saw it and I'm pumped, but I don't know if it's real or not. You think you saw the teaser? I see trailer? shit on Twitter all the time about. Oh, I'm not talking about Twitter. What? That's old balls. I'm talking TikTok, Al. TikTok. I don't, I don't talk. T- why do I talk about a clock? TikTok. Yeah, let's cash uh, it out of here. TikTok, TikTok. My name is Marvin. I'm Alex. I'm Garrett. Hey, everyone. Uh, keep cool. Keep turning those pages. And when I touched her skin.